The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions, gamers dominate the tabletop, and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies, and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, with my co-host, Don Chisholm. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And where do the dead go for deals on consumer electronics and bedding supplies? Why, the neighborhood mall! And that's what we're going to be talking about today, in a, ma- in a fashion anyway. Mindless consumerism, Woo-hoo! a.k.a. the history of shopping. Uh, we're going to talk about shopping in popular culture. Because what better way to look at North American society than through the lens of shopping? And there's no question that it's played a big role in our popular culture. In fact, one could even argue that uh, shopping malls, at least for the last 50 years or last half of the 20th century anyway, were the home of most of our popular culture, in fact. So, all right. So to begin with, though, let's spool our way back in time. Let's go to the aisle marked the history of malls in the earliest days of, of humanity the people in charge were typically the the what we'd consider the royalty they were mm-hmm. also generally the spiritual leaders because they used the story no god wants me to be in charge so the rest of you shut the hell up and follow yeah, along. they were always the children of heaven or whatever that's true yeah and what would happen is a lot of this exchange and the idea of what you would produce was dictated by the people in charge would be like the 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 royalty and mm-hmm. the spiritual leaders because exchange starts at the temple. Yes, it does. That the 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 temples in the earliest days, save like Babylon, they weren't just places of of uh, spiritual fulfillment. They'd be the warehouses because then the priests would take all the crops and dole them out as they saw fit. And that goes back to the whole biblical story of Jesus driving the money lenders out of the temple. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things they were doing at the tent. You know, if people are exchanging goods, well, you're also going to get money lenders there. And Jesus was a little unhappy about that whole money lender thing. At least that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's an interesting kind of uh, tale because there's two sort of ways you can look at it. And they're, mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna come back when we get to the modern era. We're already, to po- we're already to biblical uh, shopping in popular culture. Let's Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, because you could make the argument that what you were seeing there, the idea of uh, Jesus chasing the moneylenders out, Mm -hmm. was the idea that there, in the minds of the public, you were looking at this division between commerce and theology, that they they wanted their spirituality to be pure and not tainted by the material world. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's also the idea, because I know we'd, we'd mentioned this before, when you start having a merchant class... Mm-hmm. Because as society advances and we go from producing pointy sticks and corn to producing actual like material, and you need that specialized kind of training to make these products, and as they get more advanced, the people that make those products gain a little bit more power. Yes, they do. 
and you end up with a merchant class that starts separating from the established people in charge. Mm -hmm. So you can look at that parable that it's also the idea of the theological, the, the people who are the old school folks in charge, being a little angry at these up-and-comers, the, the, the commercial side of things. Mm -hmm. Because, in, in essence, that's what happens uh, when you get to, say, the Middle Ages. You get this separation because the merchant class starts having more power, like practical power, than the religious class or the monarchy. Yes. And in a weird way, capitalism becomes the cure for monarchy. It becomes the cure for tyrannical one person in charge, what they say goes. Because the king or queen could rant all they want, but if they don't have money to pay the troops or the facility to produce pointy sticks for them, they're screwed. Their ranting means nothing. Exactly, yeah. So the merchants basically slowly pulled the power away from the monarchy and took it to themselves. Yeah. Um, and it didn't hurt that most of the royalty, in one form or another, ended up in debt to the to the merchants. Yeah, and it's it's funny when you look at world history. That's something that seemed to happen everywhere on Earth. There's like no country that they're they're except possibly say if you get to like New Zealand or Australia, the Aboriginals. Mm. I don't think ever fell into that trap because they never really got into into materialism at all to begin with. But everywhere else everyone fell into that trap and you got that weird push and pull between what we would say nowadays we'd call government and the free market kind of thing yep yep definitely so we got the but so we could actually thank um shopping and commercialism for democracy in a weird way i mean it wouldn't exist without it kind of because this is this is what we come back to because i know we mentioned it on an episode before mm -hmm. that democracy was the cure to capitalism mm -hmm. because you ended up, if you look, um, the era for North America, say the era of the rail barons, right? Yes. And different time periods where you would get these small groups of people that would just essentially become the new monarchy because they controlled all of the stuff that we needed to exist in society at that time. Yes, they did that the way that, because the average person is always getting screwed in these deals, no matter what. Pretty much, yeah. And democracy became the way of dealing with that because the government in a proper democracy or representative democracy is supposed to be the combined will of the people. That's why we vote for who we like or dislike the least. Mm -hmm. And through that collectiveness can exert influence on the people that control the necess the necess the necessities of life in that society. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, in a weird way the the democratic system is almost is very similar to a union. In fact, it's basically the people uniting against the rich people, the common people uniting against the rich people to basically demand their rights and demand that uh, they be they be treated fairly. Yeah. Which and explains then, why rich people hate unions so much. Well, yeah, and that's part of it. And then that's something that we are definitely going to come back to, that you get to this weird spot where now we need a cure for democracy because all of these different aspects push and pull on each other mm -hmm. and sort of take their turn being dominant. Yes, yes, they do. And then, again, 
us average people are always on the receiving end of no matter who's in charge, but we can come up with these clever solutions that work for a bit. So that was, that was again, the idea of, um, if the, the, the king is the embodiment of the gods themselves on earth, well, how do we deal with that if the king's a tyrant? Well, if he wants shoes and corn, he's going to have to play by, you know, technically our rules. In theory, or he could just send his soldiers to come and take it. Yeah, but that's going to be tough if they don't have shoes and pointy sticks themselves. That's, that's again, where it becomes that practical problem. <laughs> right, and whether the king can really control his territory and such. But that's why he delegates it, right? That's why he delegates it to his barons who and their dukes and um, the other people under them, lords, viscounts, etc., whose job it basically is, okay, you go and get the t- tax money from those peasants. Have mm-hmm. fun. Yep, up until the merchants usurp that, and then they decide they're in charge. And now we're stuck in the same boat as the king beholden to the merchants until we find a way of dealing with that. Yeah, and welcome to modern society. Yeah, well, and that's where I say it's it's it sounds like we're going far back to talk about consumerism, but this kind of core back and forth, it 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 comes back really hardcore in the modern era. So that's why I say mm. you got to kind of keep in mind that it's a push and a pull. That there yeah. there's there's never one factor there's always a bunch of different factors that kind of congeal and then take us down a certain road right exactly and that is not necessarily good or bad it's all relative right for some people it's really bad and for some people it's really good and and those and it's not absolute either it can change sometimes for the people it's good it becomes bad and for the people it's bad it becomes good so there can be all sorts of benefits and costs that go along with it because we're talking about economics Yep. All right. So I think we what we decided to do, we, we talked about this a little bit before, is we're kind of going to focus on the mall as mm-hmm. a way to kind of channel this uh, focus on shopping. Because in a lot of ways, at least in the last hundred years, literally in the last hundred years, in fact, the mall has been the symbol of capitalism and commerce, at least in North America. And it's yeah. spread to many other countries as well. So we thought that we would spend most of this show talking about the mall. <laughs> Not just sh- and use that as our focus, but we'll probably diverge into some other things about shopping as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Don. So when did the mall first appear? This is where it gets tricky because it depends how you define it. Mm-hmm. If you go back to the earliest days of civilization, like Babylon and that, you have something that's roughly the equivalent in the temple because people would produce... They bring it to the temple, and then it would get distributed by the priests and that. When you get a little further on, you you get this idea of uh, bazaars and markets, mm-hmm. where people who produce things... So, like, the earliest ones would be, like, the farmer's markets, where if you go, like, say, the, the, the Middle Ages or mm-hmm. the, uh, the Dark Ages... The farmers would produce crops, and farmers were kind of the main thing, because producing food for the increasing number of people was always a problem. Yes, it was. And that's why the farmers kind of formed the basis of everything for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the way it worked is, I worked my fields. Uh, The Western example, which a lot of countries had something similar, is, say, a third of my, my fields 
belonged to the, the, the royal family outright, so they would get donated. Usually the church, because by the time you get to the Middle Ages, there's been some fighting back and forth about who gets to be in charge. So mm-hmm. the church would demand their part. Any extras for my family, but if I'm producing more than that, you would get farmers would meet at set times and in set areas and just trade stuff. I've got extra corn, you've got extra pumpkins, we'd, we'd just swap. Yep. And that would become the basis of like the farmer's market. And in a way, that's kind of the first mall because that's the first time you're getting kind of a, um, like a free commerce mm-hmm. that it was directed. Like when, when in Babylon, when the temple was in charge, it wasn't that I would bring my stuff and swap my extra with you. We just kind of handed it all over and then got what we got back. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But this is where, again, the, the farmers had some autonomy that they could start swapping and as they could produce more this is how you start getting a merchant class mm-hmm. because you get that extra that i can trade a little extra i can afford a few luxuries then you when you get to that point where we can afford a few luxuries you start getting kind of secondary and tertiary industries where somebody will be like i've got a little extra time so i develop a better pitchfork and i start making a few extra and i trade them and that takes off and if it goes far enough I don't have to farm anymore. I can just make pitchforks. And then this is how, when you get to kind of the end of the, uh, the medieval period, mm-hmm. you start getting something more akin to what we would think of as a commerce system, because you're getting that, that high level of specialization out of that comes the merchant class, because this is where you start seeing consolidations of wealth that certain people, private individuals like they're not the the royal family they're not the the priests they can amass a little extra and the more of that little extra you can amass the more you can do with it so the more extra you can generate if you're clever and or lucky and this is where you start seeing like um the great explorers that start heading out to other countries and bring back luxuries like spice was a big thing oh yeah yeah and and it was a luxury that people now had that little extra they could trade for and it was worthwhile for people to, to go out. And one of the things that you get during the Renaissance is you get that, that establishment of the merchant class as a power base mm-hmm. because they have enough extra. These certain families have built up enough wealth that they can afford these big caravans. They can afford like soldiers of their own. They can, the Renaissance happens in a great deal because it was the Medici family. Mm-hmm. Because, essentially, as I recall it, the Medicis were like a crime family. And in order to make themselves seem more highbrow and legit, they started funding the arts. That they would, like, patronize artists. And this is why we had this big boom with all these brilliant artists that come out of that period. Because now you had people that didn't have to work the field. Michelangelo could sculpt. And that could be his thing. And he would make enough money to live. Mm-hmm. from doing that and when when you start getting to that point when you start getting where you can have these luxuries and these little extras this is where you get that idea of the bazaar which is sort of like the farmer's market but it's not just farmers it's 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 people that will produce specialized items so you can have people that will produce like uh like vases mm-hmm. or cups pottery mm-hmm. becomes this is where you start getting like what we would call skilled trades taking off Right, yeah. And then that bazaar where they all get together 
and basically like where Indiana Jones chases after the guys trying to kidnap Marion. That's like a bizarre. They're, they were just these big chaotic collections of everybody showing up with stuff to sell. Yep. That's kind of where you get this idea of what we would think of as, as a mall really starts. It does. Um, I would argue that the bizarre also is an extent. Well, okay. The bazaar at that point is different from a farmer's market because often bazaars were similar to the temples before established, right? They were yeah. established places of trade. It wasn't just some random, okay, we're all going to meet in the, the town square on Sunday. It was, this is a building or location where this trading happens. Maybe every day, maybe, you know, once a week. It depends on what the bazaar is. But the key point is it was an established place of trade. Yeah, there's there's it works and it works in different ways because you would have like, say, uh, around that time in in the Middle East, you would have cities would have a part of the town yeah. that would open up every day and the, the merchants would come there every day. Yes. And you also still had ones like, say, the Bedouin and that would meet at certain times at certain, say, like oases or, or yes. uh, yeah, areas. Yep. Depends and on the culture would, in place. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And they would set that exact same thing up. And it was sort of the same as the town one that had operated on a schedule, but the schedule was much longer. It wasn't that we opened for 10 hours a day. It's that every month we're going to meet here for three days and, and do that. Yep. And what ends up happening because of that, something that you saw at the farmer's markets really starts taking off because these, these things are, are, are more regular. And like you said, more, much more established. Mm-hmm. That these become places of, of news and information. Yes, they do. Yeah. And entertainment. Yeah. That you would have people that, because they know everybody's showing up, you'd have like, you know, the, the uh, say, 1300s equivalent of a hipster show up and play his lyre and sing and folks, folks would throw him coin in that. Mm -hmm. That you had kind of um, not quite what we would have called in the 80s mall culture. Mm-hmm. But it's that beginning of this idea that the 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 bazaar isn't just an area of commerce. It's it's that's what it's based around. But mm -hmm. now you're starting to get tertiary industries like like entertainment and and people who would would pass along news and crime and things like that 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 are based around that. That it's yep. it's 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 not just about commerce. And that's again where it starts moving into that idea of what we would consider like a mall. Right. Well, although a mall is just an evolution of that, but yeah, it's, mm. it's just the very beginning of it. And in fact, I believe the very first, what's kind of considered the proto mall was actually, I believe it was in the 1700s in Paris. There was a place that was basically considered kind of like the prelude. Uh, where was it? In 1798, there was a covered shopping passage in Paris called the Passage de Claire, or Passage de Claire. Um, and then there's also in Providence, Rhode Island, there claims to be the first shopping arcade in the United, in 1828 appeared, not too long after that. Mm -hmm. So there's a great argument over whether the Passage de Claire is really a mall, but, the, but many seem to agree that the arcade in Provence, in Rhode Island, is probably the very first closest thing we have to a true shopping mall. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it goes with 1828. And it's like what you were saying. It was that idea that you had buildings that were designated for that. Well, this is where you start seeing the mm -hmm. idea of 
not just a building dedicated to, to these these commercial meetings, but designed to exemplarate and kind of accentuate that. Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea of like the arcade, when you see that in like Rhode Island, there's other things because you start seeing like like different kinds of amusements and yes, like restaurants and the like. And and again, it it's sort of it's becoming something. It's that next step towards becoming something that's not just you know us swapping goods. That it's becoming its own little society almost. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's exactly what happens. It becomes its own society. And keep in mind that there were all kinds of variants. We're talking about kind of the English and European world, but I can tell you over in Asia, they've had this kind of, they've had this kind of thing for double, at least a thousand years, if not more. I mean, they've been doing this kind of thing, but again, they were mostly not covered. They're mostly outdoor malls and such, outdoor uh, marketplaces, I should say, outdoor marketplaces and such. Yeah. But I can, but I definitely know at least about 300 years ago, the Japanese definitely had their version of it as well. Uh, yeah. They would have these these established marketplace sec- sections of the city, just like you're talking about, where people would go and they'd, uh, they'd trade and they do all kinds of things there. Because, yeah, that's what you did. And that's how you that's how you made money. Yeah, it, it, it goes. We talked a couple episodes back about uh, you talk like a uh, feudal Japan with a mm-hmm. prostitute island. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The that, that Kabuki show, was it? I'm trying to remember. I think that was, no, there's another name for it. But yes, yeah, we mentioned about that. Yeah, that's because that's the one of the one TV series, uh, Tokugawa Buraicho that I mentioned takes place, where it's mm-hmm. kind of like the little Las Vegas sitting next to uh, old Edo, Tokyo, basically. And it was this island that basically was all prostitutes and entertainers and other things that stayed on the island. What happens on the, in the, that place stays in that place. <laughs> Yeah. Original Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's 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 that idea that it's 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 close to what we would consider a mall. Yeah, it pretty much is. It just is mostly about shopping for prostitutes instead of shopping for well, I mean, you can shop for other things, I suppose, too. They had that too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good point, and and that's the thing, right? Malls basically created a traffic. They created people coming in, or these shopping places created people coming in, and that's where, as you said, tertiary industries and secondary industries start popping up simply because you have high foot traffic. Therefore, there's lots of people with money that you can sell stuff to, be it food, be it entertainment, be it services, whatever. And so we start to see shopping districts pop up. And yep. in North America, North Americans being and, and that was mostly what you saw in Europe. That's that's why you get the covered street in Paris and such. But in North America, things are a tiny bit different because of the weather and the conditions and such. And so it became more practical to create a building for that. And yeah. that's exactly what, that's basically where the mall comes from, or at least the arcade originally in, in Rhode Island and eventually what would become the malls. Yeah, because North America and like Great Britain Mm-hmm. Had they, we 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 had that idea um, of of what was called a like a, like a shopping district or a shopping center, mm-hmm. and that kind of persisted. It it's still sort of around, but like into into our lives, like as mm-hmm. as a kid, uh, we had like right now I live right by Ottawa Street, and when when my 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 parents were kids, that was one of the main what the main strips. It was all stores and restaurants and that. Mm-hmm. But it was a street, and then when I was a kid, we had uh, downtown, yep, which was everything on Olette north of of Wyandotte, and it was all like st- it's all bars now, 
Yeah. So it, it's it's gone from being a, a proper shopping center to prostitute island, but <clears throat> but it was it was all like stores, and it it was the idea, uh, that idea of a shopping center is kind of the 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 what we're what what we're getting at here. Like you mentioned, the uh, the covered bazaar in Paris, that it's sort of an it's it's businesses all located in one spot. Yep. They're still kind of separate from each other because they're all still renting their own space, their own buildings. But you're seeing this idea of consolidating your shopping in one location. Yes, that's the idea. Shop, at, you know, get everyone, which makes sense, right? And that's still, you still find that in Asia. Having been over in Asia not too long ago, I can tell you, you will still find that. In fact, the Asians do a weird thing that I've always found odd. Um, so for I'll, I'll give uh, Taipei for example because I um, I'm very familiar with Taipei um, <laughs> is that they tend to have this I- idea that if there's a popular store let's say there's actually I'll give it a literal example that's right near my uh, my mother-in-law's home in Taipei there's at all these pet shops mm-hmm. because for whatever reason one or two one or two popular pet shops popped up there and then everyone else got the idea well they're making money doing selling pets and aquariums and stuff we'll do that too and so it's we think in north america at least maybe you don't at least this is my take on is we usually think okay we don't want too many of the same kind of store or service in the same area because that will they'll they'll just compete with each other right so you want to spread Mm -hmm. out they do the opposite in asia where everyone who's like selling tropical fish will gather in the same area Mm-hmm. And then consumers will literally go from per, from store to store, and the stores will somebody trade with each other. They all they all have this weird teamwork rivalry thing going on. And I've seen this in Japan, and I've seen this in other places in Asia too. Mm-hmm. So you get like a shoe street, and or you get aquarium street, or things, and which which just to me it's always seemed very odd. But that's how they do <laughs> it. Yeah, that's that's we because we did the thing like it like a kind of what we're creeping up on mm-hmm. when we established the mall proper. That's kind of um, it was always like a North American and uh, UK sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was because like, I guess, like even in Europe, they still have that sort of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They do. That you'll you'll have districts like if I knew somebody went to France not too long ago and she was saying that that you'll still have like districts. Yes. Where it'll be all like, say, art stores. Or mm. it'll it'll all be like uh, like clothing stores and, and yes. things like that. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we sort of did it backwards because what, when we established um, what you'd think of as a mall, mm-hmm. we put everything in one place. So it, it wasn't like you'd have the shoe district. You would have 20 shoe stores inside this mall that had 150 stores all together kind of thing. Right. And then Although, we, Sorry, go. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was about to say, I've always wondered, though, if maybe that is a side effect of the mall. That Remember, a lot of malls, they often had the idea, well, we don't want too much competition of, you know, of one kind of store. So they often limited the number of, say, shoe stores that would be in a mall. I mean, so there are a couple shoe stores in a mall, but maybe not too many because you don't want too much competition between them. And if you added too many more, they're all going to get unhappy and maybe they'll all leave on you, right? So you have to create that weird balance where you don't want too many. And maybe that's one of the ways that or one of the reasons why we have this system where we don't usually group too many stores of the same type in the same area, at least not in North America anyway. 
Yep, and it's because what you you've hit on one of the things that that made uh, the mall what the mall was mm-hmm. is that they were they were guided, they were directed. Yes, they're that, yeah constructed. Yeah, well, and 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 managed that all the mm-hmm. the stores inside a mall would be answerable to the folks who ran the mall. Right. And they would do that. They would deny certain stores if they thought there'd be too much competition. Whereas mm-hmm. when you go to, say, a shopping center mm-hmm. or shopping district, all those stores are independent. They're renting their own space yes. in buildings that may or may not be owned by the same people. Yep. So they can do that. They can crowd in if, if they so desire. Like if for whatever reason this is a really good place to sell goldfish, you'll get 20 goldfish stores because they can. Yep. Whereas the mall, because you've got one group or person directing what's in that mall in in Toto, mm-hmm. they can they can deny that 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 again there'll be there'll be a marketing directive behind the uh, what stores are allowed to operate in the mall. Yes, although I would imagine that even if we were to go back to the old uh, bazaars, I don't think so much in the marketplaces, but some of that too, but definitely the bazaars, they probably, because they were usually run or controlled by some people. They were managed by some people. Like if you were selling in a bazaar, often you're paying a cut to whoever runs the place, right? There is, a, yeah. there is that going on. And I do imagine that they do limit the number of people. Like shop, having a spot in the bazaar, especially a good bazaar, can be somewhat prestigious, right? Yeah. So you pay a cut to the management, whoever's wherever the management is, you pay a, a cut to the local gangsters who may or may not be the management. And mm-hmm. you also, whether you get in or not, get a stall or not, or a spot or not, can often be determined by those people that you're paying. And they might say, no, no, we've got a few too many shoe sellers this year. So nope, you're not getting in this time. Unless you're going to pay us a little extra. Yeah, as, as I recall, that goes back to say like the, the ancient Romans would do that. Mm. But one of the big differences that you would have is the proper authority that was running the bazaar was running the bazaar as part of their turf. Mm-hmm. So if you were the uh, if you were the senator in charge of this part of the city, the bazaar would be one of the things you you ran. Yes. If you were like the ro- local crime boss, the bazaar would be part of your territory. Right. But when you get something like a like a like a mall proper as we know them, mm-hmm. because it's all in one big building, some we'll say interest, because it could be a group, it could be a person, owns that one big building and controls it. They they control it more closely than a bazaar would have been controlled. Yes, that's very true. No, no, they're very they're very strictly controlled because among other things, they're also maintaining the place. They're also yeah, doing renovating they're doing many things they're ad promoting it they're advertising there's there's definitely an element of that and yep. you in most cases that's cadillac fairview is seems to be the <laughs> number one in north america anyway or one of them anyway yeah <laughs> i don't know if they're the biggest one but cadillac fairview seemed to own a lot yeah because there, there would be a lot of um when you get to how malls happen it's it's similar to the idea of the uh the bazaar being the locus of business because when you go back to the the well little 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 history i think mm-hmm. when you look at how shopping worked mm-hmm. if you go back to say just after world war ii right i'm, I'm gonna say just before world war ii like just after world war one mm-hmm. you had the idea that you had the department store right so you had like macy's or sears or hudson bay 
that it would be one big big ass store that sold a bunch of different things. Yes. And those would be part of a shopping center. So you would you would have and I remember again as a kid uh, what became, say, the University Mall was basically a Kmart and a bunch of other stores around it. Mm-hmm. And then they would sort of consolidate. So you would have, like, Macy's is, is in, like, like downtown New York. And it's one department store. But then you'd have a bunch of other shops and restaurants that would open around it. But they weren't part of any kind of complex. It was just because this was Macy's drew a lot of people in. Maybe I can sell them some cheap ass goods or I can sell them like a, I, I can open a restaurant in this area. I can kind of get some of the uh, get some of the leftovers from their business. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of say shopping centers worked. And then when you start getting into the fifties, you start seeing this idea of a mall proper where it's that idea, but consolidated so that, like we were just saying, there's one group that's running everything in that area instead of just one main store and then a bunch of hangers on that are completely isolated from it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, traditionally, there was always an anchor store and yeah. uh, then or more or more anchor stores. There can be other ones as well, but definitely usually one. And then everything else was just kind of like. I won't call them parasites, but they're basically kind of building upon it. So let's go. Let's go with that. Yeah, because that's one of the things to to if you watch, if you look at say uh, movies or TV shows from the nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. there are no malls. Yeah, that's true. There's only um, basically just downtown, their yep. version of downtown, and that's it. Um, and the one and the one big store. So you go to Macy's or Gimbel's or whatever. True whatever they call it, and you always run into that yes guy who apparently they cloned, and yep. every every make-believe department store, he was the, the managing the managing, uh, the managing salesperson. Oh, crap. I know that dude's name, but I can't remember it offhand. <laughs> I know. because There's an actual actor who basically is that guy. Because he, he was in everything. <laughs> yeah, he was in pretty much everything. You're right. Oh, crap. I wish I... Oh, anyway, I'll, I'll think, I, if I think of it later, I'll bring it up. But yeah, no, no, that, that's exactly right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so so it was all about, well, because department stores, if I remember right, I'd have to check, but I think they start, again, late 1800s and yep. kind of go forward. And the, so department stores were a, big thi- were a big thing, and they, hell, they continued up until the 80s. You could, and they still exist today, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were kind of almost... They were kind of almost proto malls. Like if you were thinking about it, a mall was basically a department store, but all broken down into a whole bunch of little boxes and little sections. Mm-hmm. Whereas a traditional department store is kind of big open floors, for example. Yeah, yeah. A mall is what happens when a department store throws up. <laughs> it break it brings up chunks. Yeah, that's there right. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, no. I see your point. And that's one of the things, again, I found fascinating being over in Asia is, is they still have that kind of department store mm-hmm. in Asia. That hasn't disappeared. When I go to Tokyo or when I go to Taipei or, or Seoul, um, if I go into one of their major department stores, it's all broken down to all these little departments, some of which, interestingly enough, are actually subcontracted out. So some of them are actually run by other companies that are subcontracting that space. But it's yeah. not a mall. Like it's still a department store because it's all still open and everything's still like it's an open space, but they're kind of little sections of it 
or yep. departments, as the case may be, are, <laughs> are all run by. But even the departments are subdivided to sections, which can sometimes be run by different companies or low, rented by different companies. Like, for example, you go into the men's section, say, in a Sogo department store, and you'll find there will be a little just this little you know, uh, maybe 10 foot by 10 foot box, basically, with some like things up. And they'll just be selling like um, some kind of perfume for men or for women or whatever. And mm-hmm. there'll be a certain brand like Louis Vuitton or something like that. And they'll just have this little box and they will rent it and have it there for as long as they need to. And then when they decide that's not really profitable for them, they'll just stop renting that box and just let their product be part of the regular line of the department store if it wants it. Yeah. Yeah. So they do, so they still do that. They still have those kinds of department stores, which we really don't have so many in North America anymore. Yeah. Cause that idea is going to come back in the eighties to kick us all in the ass. Ooh, but, but you are, yeah, you are right. Cause that would be the thing too. Um, if, if you think back, like I'm thinking back to say the seventies when I was mm-hmm. a kid, mm-hmm. uh, you would have things like uh, a new toy company would come out with like a new toy or a game. Yep. And there would be a lot of fanfare that they would go to these big department stores and they would send representatives and they would set up displays and they would set up, uh, they would yep. have sales reps that would be interacting directly with, with the, the customers. Yep. And the big department stores would make deals to carry the things for different different companies. Because mm-hmm. that was one of the thing. if you think back to like the 70s or the 80s, uh, if you bought your appliances at Sears. Mm-hmm. It was often a crapshoot, especially if you had to get them fixed. Because what? Oh, what the hell was the Sears? Moto Master was the Sears brand tools, but I forget what their appliance brand was. Oh crap! What were they? Uh, okay, fine. I'll quickly look it up. Yeah, because they they have a specific brand that was the Sears brand appliances, but they weren't a, a brand. What they would do is they would contract out to different like. Uh, like to Maytag or Kenmore, all these different companies to make appliances that they would then market under the store brand. Actually, Kenmore, which you just brought up, is their brand. Is it? Okay, yeah. It's Kenmore. It's owned by Sears, but manufactured by various appliance makers. It has a history of over 100 years, having launched in 1913, yep. originally for sewing machines, but now and everything. And this, and this is how the department stores would work, is that their store brand stuff wasn't just a thing it was kind of a mishmash of of stuff that got manufactured by different companies because they'd come up with those those arrangements mm-hmm. uh, to uh to to sell their stuff and and like i said if you had to get anything fixed back in the day and you bought it from sears you had no idea what was in there until you opened it up and then it might be oh thankfully this is a common or it might be i don't know this is some like north korean something that they they farmed out to a third party and there's no way in hell i'm going to get one of these whatever the hell this part is to fix this thing yeah exactly then that's one of the problems with all that subcontracting yeah 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 but that but that was how it used to work because that changes a little bit coming on but yeah when you're talking 50s 60s 70s that that was what they did the department stores were still king Mm -hmm. and you were starting to see um yeah, like you were saying, that all these secondary industries would pop up around them, but they were being consolidated because people, like like say real estate firms or even the big the big companies themselves, because this is where you get like if you go to Toronto, mm-hmm. like the Eaton Center is it's a mall, but it's 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 owned and established by the Eaton's company. Yes, yes, it is. 
because the big companies realized you could pull all these other little comp like stores and that in and they would again take control of of what would be a shopping center in the old days and now make it one of these enclosed plaza kind of deals and then you'd get more more direction more marketing mm -hmm. exactly yeah well it, again you're using economy of scale right that's the whole point of this economy of scale lets you you know everyone can work together to market this mall this bizarre whatever you know everyone chips in and so all the marketing money and so you get various um you know advertising campaigns for malls mm -hmm. um in fact actually I'll tell the audience a, a little secret. This this episode is at least partly sponsored by me finding a YouTube channel that actually had a whole bunch of old mall ads from like the 1980s, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I will link to in the show notes so you can check out what they look like if yeah, you haven't seen any. Because anybody under the age of 30 has probably never seen an ad for that because they don't market the malls themselves like they did back, say, in the 70s or, or especially the 80s. No, no, they don't. I mean, you do see some. Actually, interesting enough, I actually see here on uh, at least TV here in London, Ontario, I will actually see marketing for shopping districts in of the local towns around London. Mm -hmm. Not for not London itself, but the towns around London, like Strathroy or St Thomas or other places like that. They actually will the business district will get together and they'll and they make commercials to try to get people from london to go out and check these places out yep and again it's it's funny to note that it's that idea of the old-fashioned shopping dis like district district just like the 50s yeah yeah yep. it is and it's because what you're seeing when you see those ads is that's usually like the uh, chamber of commerce for the city or the town yep yep that's that's funding though. So that's really you come to exciting downtown Windsor where you can fight crackheads and then enjoy a beer at you know, <laughs> and and that's what it is because it's again it's that attempt to draw people back to those shopping districts because the malls kind of ate themselves yep. when you get to the uh, get to like the nineties. Okay, so uh, okay, let's let's start our journey through malls. So uh, specifically, I mean we've been talking about malls for almost an hour now. Um, <laughs> so so let's talk about um, let's start going through the history. So as you said, in 1950s is when malls as we know them really start to appear in North America. They actually did pre exist before that. Um, there are references I found to a mall. What was it called again? The hold on one sec here. Um. Some people claim that the first shopping mall was the Country Club Plaza, founded by J.C. Nichols Company and opened in Kansas City, Missouri in 1922. Mm -hmm. Although there is actually some arguments that the first enclosed mall was called the Southdale and it was opened in Edna, Minnesota, near Minneapolis in 1956. Mm -hmm. So basically what we've got is we've got the original, the quote-unquote mall was the Kansas Club Plaza, but of course it's in Kansas where it doesn't rain that much, so they don't need a roof. <laughs> right and so we get, but in a place that does need a roof obviously minnesota then we get the very first quasi real mall in 56 yeah because these are both in the united states obviously yeah because if you go back to the uh like the early 1900s like up to like 1920s mm -hmm. there was a dude i can't remember his name that had proposed something that essentially became the mall that we know and and fondly remember if you're over 30, that he was talking about what what we would consider an arcology, that he was he would have these kind of self-contained 
buildings that would have your shopping district and possibly like a residential area in that all in one massive structure. Which is what an arcology is, by the way, folks, if you're not familiar with the term, it's basically a city inside a building. That's the yeah. best way to describe it. Or town. It can be a town inside a building. It depends on how you want to describe it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just one gigantic structure that has people don't even need to leave the structure. Everything you need is there. Yeah, if, if you're a Judge Dredd fan, it's a city block. Yeah, exactly. Yep, there, there, that's, a, that's a perfect example. You will watch the movie Dread. You'll, you'll literally see what an arcology should look like. Mm-hmm. With ravening gangs and machine guns and stuff, because, you know, humans being what we are. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, the one in Dread is a very is, is in very <laughs> poor condition. But the the place where uh, the place in Dread, that is definitely an arcology, I would say, or at least something some very similar to it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are these they're basically they imagine a gigantic apartment building which holds a little bit of everything, which, again, I've actually seen in Asia. They do actually exist. Yeah. You can, or at least what you get is these essentially apartment mega buildings that also contain shopping, movie theaters, you know, pretty much everything you want is there in the building. So you don't even have to leave it. And you have like a couple thousand families living in one building. I'm not kidding. There's places in Taipei like that. I've seen them. Yeah, we, we had similar stuff because it's like, um, shoot, is it the, the Eaton Center downtown Toronto, I think? Mm-hmm is or had like a, a hotel attached to it and stuff it did yeah it did i believe yeah and it, it's it's that same idea like it didn't take off when it was proposed back in like the early 1900s and this is where i say it's not until the 50s where that idea kind of starts creeping in mm-hmm. because i think that's the point where it's it's starting to become viable because it's not till after world war ii that you have a really strong consumer-based society Right. Like it starts in the 20s. It starts after World War One. But it's it's when, um, especially in North America, and one of the reasons I think why the mall developed here is because after World War Two, North America was one of the few places on Earth that still had a working industrial center. <laughs> well, not just that. I mean, North America was getting rich hand over fist because who do you think was supplying all the materials and know-how and everything to rebuild the rest of the planet that was devastated by war? Yeah. And that's that, where... That- that's the oh. United States. So they were flush with cash. They were like literally swimming in money. Yeah, and and that's the the reason why I think you saw this idea of like like a like a shopping mall mm-hmm. take off here because we had it, that strong consumerist society because everybody was working a job that paid really well, so that we had the cash yep. to throw around. Yep. And um, advancements in industrialization made during the uh, war meant mm-hmm. that we had the free time to indulge in things. Yeah, no, no, you're right. We had, fr- And most importantly for malls, we had cars. Yep. Because that's a huge part of the development of the shopping mall too, because most shopping malls, some of them were built downtown, some of them were built in downtowns, but many of them were not. They were built out in the suburbs. And yep. they, they were hand in hand with the whole suburban development that was happening throughout the second half of the 20th century post-World War II. Yeah, and it was a big part of that was because you could get land cheaper outside the city. Yep. And what you started seeing there is this is where you kind of start seeing big changes and problems because the malls being out in the outskirts would draw traffic away from the main drags. Yep. So the old shopping centers would start to kind of decline because 
everybody would go to this big giant enclosed building that had everything you wanted in one spot. Mm-hmm. And the it it was it was again it was regulated. It was very it was more controlled. Mm-hmm. So and they also here remember they knew they were competing with the you know the downtown. So they would do their best to offer an experience you couldn't have downtown. Yeah, as well. So they weren't. It wasn't just about shopping. And of course, they would often promote sales and such. But there was also elements of entertainment that went <coughs> along with them, dining, etc. Like they would often be connected with, um, you know, fast food places, etc. That there were built around them. So you, you got the concept of the Golden Mile popping up, and that mm-hmm. was often part of it. Yeah, and then the odd side effect from that is when you had the 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 big department stores moving out to these complexes and and becoming mm-hmm. the center of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was saying, with new products and starting in the fifties, you had a lot of emphasis put on new consumer products. Yep, these would be where the demonstrations and that would be held. So, going to the mall was like stepping into the future because you would see all these like yeah. displays and presentations of all these upcoming new consumer goods. Yes, absolutely. You're yeah, you're right. To going, I do remember, and I think that was true even back in the eighties when you and I were young. That going to the mall was like going to the future. Yep. There was that idea. It was that like this is the future. This is the world of the future. Yeah, it, it's if you think about like say the early eighties when when I was like a kid, mm-hmm. one of the big things that people would do every year is you went to the mall to see the new video games coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they always had demos set up, and you could sit there and play the uh, play the games, and and it was always like nuts that there would be huge crap because again it's exactly like you were saying that's mm-hmm. this was the future that this is where you you still went at this time to get that taste of the upcoming thing yeah yep yep exactly and uh but let's go back let's stay away okay so the 50s happened but the thing is malls as we know them started in the mid to late 50s but mm-hmm. they really exploded in the 60s like it's what they're they're as much a sixties thing because again that's the era of the suburb right when the suburbs are really exploding and such and again that was still malls were mostly based off you know your anchor store and then you had all your little sub stores that went with it and and you know that that was you know that was good I mean that's that's how they that's how things worked out um, but I don't but I would argue that in the even in the sixties the malls weren't exactly the center of uh, American culture not at that point. They were an alternative to downtown, but I would argue downtown still held a very strong place. Yeah, because there's there's a, a couple things that you get in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like one of them is you start getting, you know, when, when you've got the uh, the kids, when they become those damn kids that are ruining everything. Yep. There's kind of a divide that happens in North America between, you know, the uh, the, the Madison Avenue plastic, fantastic, you know, suburb crowd and the uh, the goddamn dirty hippies that are turning away from materialism and and all of these ads and stuff. Well, that's more like late sixties, isn't it? Like that that's something that goes starts late sixties and goes into the seventies. It it does. It, it, it I think it kind of grips things from the uh, from the beginning because part of what happens too that I think influences that mm-hmm. is because the malls are still in the suburbs. They're inaccessible to a lot of the youth of the day. That's true. Like you got to hope Buddy has a a car that you can drive out there. That the kids are still hanging out in in the main strip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
and I think one of the reasons why you get that reaction against the 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 Mad Men style, you know, advertising in the late sixties is some of its resentment. I actually, I just thought of something. I think there's another element to it. Again, I'd have to do my. You you'd have to check on this. Is just a thought. Mm-hmm. Also, keep in mind the sixties is also the era, as you pointed out, of the, ba- the They're all the baby boomers are teenagers. Okay, and what are they focused on? What's their life built around? Cars. Yeah, at least the large. Now, while malls have parking lots and everything, remember malls are still not not that car friendly. Whereas the downtown strip totally is. You can't yep. go cruising in in the middle of the mall, but you can go cruising downtown. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And then that's that's part of the idea too, where you uh, the mall is seen kind of more of a family thing. Yeah, exactly, the malls are family places, and that's how they're promoted, of course, as well. They're family centers away from like the you know the more mixed mixed shopping environment of downtown. This is a place for family. You know, it's almost the Disney thing, right? Yeah, at least in the '60s. Yeah, and what you're seeing, the main strips are probably moving away from from like stores, mm-hmm. and they're becoming more services. So, like say restaurants, yeah. bars, things, and and you see that if you look at say pop culture from the '50s. Mm-hmm. The the teenagers are all still hanging out at like you know at a pops the malt shop. That's true, and that that's that that all through the fifty, and that's again, that would be something that would be on the main strip. The main strip isn't getting the the activity it did because all the families and that are heading out to the mall, so that's where the kids are hanging out. And when you get into the sixties, what you start seeing is. Um, in pop culture where all the kids are hanging out are like the dive bars and the beatnik joints and stuff like that. And I, I got to kind of wonder if it's because what starts happening is Mm -hmm. the main strips where, you know, the hip young hipsters would want to be where the the real action is. Right. Are all the inner city main strips that are now moving on to that because their audience is getting older because the, the families and that are moving out to the suburbs and hanging out at the malls. Right. Whereas, like the 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 teenagers and the college kids are hanging out at these dive bars that are the remnants of these old like malt shops and that from like the the forties and the fifties. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I can totally see that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple forces at work there, but definitely. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, um, in the nineteen sixties, um, the mall, co- you know the. The malls continued to grow, although they got, I would imagine, a rather huge boost when um, what's referred to sometimes as the white flight really kicked in in earnest after things like the Detroit riots in like the 19, late 1960s and such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For those of you who are not familiar with the Detroit riots, Don will give you a quick history lesson. Uh, if you remember the L.A. riots in the 90s, it they were the sequel. It was the the same idea that you had a lot of uh, political upre- up, uh, unrest. Uh, people were getting fed up with the cops leaning on folks. And yeah, it just burst. Yep. And one of the side effects of the riots, at least in Detroit, for example, and Detroit and Detroit's hardly the only city that had this happen, um, was that the white people could afford to all up and left. And where did they go? They went out to the suburbs. Yeah, another thing that you start getting in like the the sixties mm-hmm. that really I think adds to the idea of of the malls expand and mall culture that comes mm-hmm. up in a, in another decade or two 
is that cities were moving out, that you had high population. So the suburbs were filling out. Yeah. That what was suburbs yesterday might now just be part of the city today. That's true. That's very true. The suburbs were slowly being eaten by the city as it was moving out. Yeah. Which is why it's weird that some malls, if you look at them today or where maybe former mall sites, sometimes are actually not too far from the core of the city. And you might think, well, they weren't built in the suburbs. But the thing is, no, they were at that time. Yeah. It's just the city has caught up with them and expanded out past them is what's happened. Yeah. Not always. It, it does depend. But um, that's the case for a couple of the malls. Um, but anyway. All right. So just a question then. So was there any influence on popular culture by malls in the 1960s? I'm going to say that there sort of was. But what you had in the 1960s and even the 70s, it was like a resistance to what malls and suburbs stood for. Wait, are you you saying that there was a communist takeover, Don? <laughs> the comment. I mean, yet, yet, comrade. No, it was, but it was, it was the idea that, like I say, I think you were starting to see that mm-hmm. the suburb culture, you know, like the the Bob Dodds, you know, Cleaver style thing, to a lot of the youth like the baby boomers and that going into the 60s, it was seen as kind of like old hat and sterile. Mm-hmm. That the excitement was all happening in the city and like Greenwich Village and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So there was, there was when you get to like pop culture, there was kind of a resistance to it. Because again, if you look at like, um, if you look at movies and TV shows and that, if characters go shopping, they're still going to a department store. They're, they're, yeah, they are. Yeah. They're, there aren't a lot of malls depicted in things. And even in the seventies, when the kids are hanging out in like, they are. Yeah. In the seventies, they're, they're, they're hanging out at like the beach. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever. Well, that was because it was a beautiful and cheap place to shoot. (laughs) Well, yeah. And like, I couldn't show nudity, but I could show like uh, 30 year old teenagers in bikinis. And that was perfectly acceptable. Exactly. 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 Yeah, because it's it's weird when you look at the when you look at the uh, like going into the even the seventies, you don't see malls depicted a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And when you do the first real representation of of a mall in pop culture that I can think of from from the seventies is where I got most of the quote at the beginning of the show. Really? So you think that uh, Dawn of the Dead was one of the very first, like, real portrayals of malls and mall culture in uh, cinema? Isn't although Dawn of the Dead's from like nineteen eighty four, if I remember right? Seventy eight. It's seventy eight, really? Oh wow, yeah. I thought it was from later. Okay, so okay, you got me there. I um, thought too because I you, it when you get to the eighties, going into the nineties, you see that kind of anti marketing thing. Yeah, yeah, you'll see a lot of that, and it's interesting that um, Dawn of the Dead. If you watch the original, don't watch the remake; it's not that good. <laughs> um, at least I don't like the re- I don't like the remake, but the original is quite the classic. And one of the interesting things is that it very much is a commentary on consumer culture. Like there's there's definitely that anti-consumer culture aspect to it. He didn't set it at the mall just because it was an interesting idea. There's very much a vibe of, you know, people who go to the mall. The malls are just producing, you know, unthinking consumers and shoppers and such. They're 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 producing zombies, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's the first zombie movie where you see the idea of uh, zombies that are stuck in a loop reliving something they did in life. Exactly. 
yeah, and they comment about that in the movie about how this is all just them repeating the things they did in life, and including mindless shopping. The shopping is a mindless activity that they did, mm-hmm. at least at the mall, anyway. Yeah, and and I think, like I say, I I because when you look at seventies movies again, the the kids are all hanging out. They're still hanging out at the burger joint, mm-hmm. or like wherever the uh the place up in the mountains where you do your drag racing is or the beach or something like that they're they're not hanging out at the mall yet yeah that's true because malls were just not seen as cool i don't think back then they were still more about you know they're a place your mom dragged you to to buy your clothes for uh, the fall or for fall school or whatever like they were just not that cool (laughs) yeah it's, it's where you went to get your sears tough skins that's exactly right. Yeah. And then, then you spent six months going <laughs> when you walked anywhere. <laughs> oh, there's a joke that no one got but us. Anyway. All right. I'm sure there's other 50-year-olds out there laughing their ass off right now. <laughs> okay, I hope so. There's one for you guys. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah. No, no. Are you right? And I don't think that I, – I mean, yeah, I don't think that the malls back in the 70s were considered that – cool by maybe by moms and dads but they weren't considered cool by young people anyway definitely not in the 70s well i'm gonna say that i think what happens is they're considered cool by us Mm -hmm. because there's a reason for that which we'll get to when we get fully to the 80s yeah well even then in the 70s like we were kids Mm -hmm. and this is where like say the hobby shops were and i remember going to like dominion playworld and seeing the big giant display of aurora kits and that's true where the toy stores were and and for little kids malls were fantastic but again they were for older people you're just kind of you're coming out of like the hippie thing this is like the the punk era yeah that's true so you're like like the kids quote unquote of the day are still in that really really big anti-establishment you know down with corporatism kind of thing mm-hmm and then when you get to the 80s, that's when mall culture takes off because that's us. That's Generation X. Yep. And I think it's that holdover from that idea that for us as kids in the 70s, the teenagers didn't go to the mall. But for kids, it was a magical place because they had they had rides and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and that was going to be my point. The 80s is when mall culture really explodes, like to a new to a new level that it hadn't been previously. Like, yeah. there were big malls and such, but the 80s is really when, when things kind of take off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to check. I saw saw somewhere. Oh, I've lost track of it. Oh, is it? Where that's where you start to get what they refer to as the mega malls. Yeah. They, they start to pop up. Where what you're getting is not just a mall, not just a shopping experience, but an everything experience. Like, so they, so they'll have attached, like sometimes like even theme parks, if you look at say the West Edmonton mall, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, theme parks, um, cinemas start being built connected to the malls. For example, you yeah. also start to get, um, hypermarkets. Uh, what else you start to get electronics. Remember, I mean the eighties, because of course during the seventies, let's be honest, during the seventies, there was an economic downturn as well. There, yeah. you know, the oil shocks happened. They were basically in a recession. Well, the economy came roaring back, mostly thanks to credit, during the <laughs> 80s. And suddenly everyone was, once again, flush with cash. And they all wanted someplace to go and expend it and experience it and everything. And that's what the malls became. They became these one-stop places of entertainment and shopping and services and everything, really. Yeah. And and like I say, that was, that was us. Yeah, that was that. for our generation. 
and the malls, yeah, they knew what they were doing. I, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I, I keep mentioning entertainment, and you might be thinking, okay, what, so there were buskers at the mall? No. Okay, here's the thing. During the 1980s, for example, I think it might have happened in the 70s, but de- it was definitely an 80s thing, okay? There was what there was called the mall music circuit, especially mm-hmm. in North America, where mm-hmm. singers, well, basically, malls would hire live acts and live singers, and they would have them there on the weekend. There would be concerts at the mall every weekend, yeah, or almost every weekend anyway during the year. And so various singers and performers would go around, and they'd go from mall to mall, city to city, and that's how they made their money. Like, it was an actual entertainment circuit that they used to go on. Yeah, made- and big companies. And one of the best, one of the queens of this was there was an 80s singer called Tiffany, mm-hmm. who um, some of you might remember. You can look her up. She sang a song called I Think We're Alone Now, which was actually a remake, but we're not going to worry about that. Point, <laughs> that was her biggest hit anyway. Um, there was one or two, there were a couple others, but she became super popular just by doing the mall circuit. That was her thing. She was basically the queen of the mall circuit. Yeah. And uh, she was just a teenage singer. So she was one of the 80s uh, teen female pop idols in North America. Her and Debbie Gibson. Uh, I think there was Martika. There were a couple of them anyway. There was a zillion of them. And a lot of them were basically the result of the mall circuit. They, that's what they did. They went around. Yeah. And as you said, when celebrities were promoting different films and such, they would go from mall to mall. That's what they were doing. Once upon a time, in the 60s, they would go around to different, well, basically downtowns is what they would do. Uh, if you yeah. did a new show, I was just watching actually a, a show about, uh, or a short documentary about Burt Ward, you know, uh, Robin from the old Batman 60s show. And they were talking, and he was talking about that, in the that uh, that's what they used to do. They would go from mall to they would they would basically go from sorry not mall downtown to downtown basically him and adam west they would film during the week and every weekend they were flown out to a different downtown where they would basically promote promote the show and they would sometimes Mm -hmm. be in parades and they'd be involved but they were going to downtowns okay by the 80s that kind of celebrity like say knight rider david hasselhoff would be going to malls yeah right they would have, you know, he'd go around to different malls promoting Night Rider. And so, you know, you could go to your, your local mall and one day there'd be like, you know, Mr. T would be there, or, you know, Howling Mad Murdoch from the A-Team or whatever. Magnum P.I. might be your <laughs> local mall promoting the new season or something like that. That kind of stuff happened. It really did back in the 80s. Because what yeah. malls were trying to do is they were trying to bring in as many customers as possible. And they were doing every trick they could because here's the thing. By the 80s, there were often more than one mall in each city. And they were competing with each other. Yeah. And so they were doing all these tricks and things like with musical acts and guest celebrities and all this stuff to make them all a hip, cool place where you wanted to go and experience. Yeah. Now, that's that's the the thing to remember, because I remember all that when I was a kid that used to happen here. No, yeah, it happened here, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the, the thing is, you got to remember that a lot of this was it was it was uh like pop stuff and it was it was mainstream and it was all part of like a big marketing thing yes it was oh yeah they weren't yeah. inviting um the ramones for example to go play at a mall at least i don't think they were anyway that's not yeah. conducive to shopping like the young you know you're not you don't you're not getting a bunch of 14 year old uh you know 80s kids like the stranger things kids are not going to see you know the sex pistols and the ramones at the local mall that that's not happening i, I might have 
Well, <laughs> you would have gone to the music store at the mall and bought their album, but you wouldn't have actually bought. You wouldn't. Okay, you might have, but, but you usually wouldn't have gone to actually see them at the mall because the malls would never hire them to play. Yeah, that's it's 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 true, and and this this is an important thing too because in the eighties, it's it's one of those reciprocal things mm-hmm. because, like you said, people had money in the eighties. It was it was like a, a big boom time. Mm-hmm. That's when kind of like consumerism really really takes over, mm-hmm. and mall culture was a big part of it because that became the new hangout for people. Yep. What's the new downtown, right? Because the original downtowns were scuzzy and old and you didn't want to hang out there anymore. Yeah. And it's the idea that this is where like the uh, the current culture was was being promoted. Yep. And that was more of a corporatist culture that, again, it was it was a lot of marketing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. That it would be, you know, Tiffany singing her latest song, dancing around the fountain in the center of the mall, and yep. not Johnny Rotten spitting on the uh, the audience. Oh, you bloody wankers, can you stop me dry then? And stuff like that. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't that. It was it was this new ultra-bright-colored pop mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, the first example I could really find mm-hmm. of the mall being presented in a hip kind of way was... a. Uh, 1982 it was the uh, fast times at ridgemont high film oh yeah okay i could see that yeah because if you remember most of that film well not most mm-hmm. of but like half of it all the characters were in high school and they all worked at the mall and yep. that was a big part of the film and that's kind of the first time you saw this idea of like mall culture yeah that the kids would work there and they would hang out there and when they weren't in school that was where they were yeah yeah no, no, I, I totally get that. Yeah, because that's what was happening, right? So in the 80s, eventually things started going to the, the young people were just going to the mall. So that's where the culture formed. That's what that was the foundation of uh, our culture, basically, at that time. Yeah. And and again, I think what, what it is, it's that idea how there's always a turnover because each generation is trying not to be their parents kind of thing. Yep, exactly. That the magic that we felt as kids mm-hmm. going there, that was the disdain of the teenagers when we became teenagers that was what we carried over and that was one of the reasons why because we've talked about this before we did a Mm -hmm. whole episode on generation x that yep we were kind of the generation like our parents were the first raised by media generation Mm -hmm. but we were the ones where they really kind of perfected it and realized you could market to kids yeah and that's what the 80s was it was kind of that that um 70s child uh, sense of wonderment and having been raised by television and stuff that carried over into everything and that was why everything was pop and big and neon and glitzy because it's it was it was teenagers that had the 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 i guess the proclivities and tastes of children Mm -hmm. yeah you're right and that's why everything was cartoony and that was why MTV could take off then because MTV had these crazy, just like, you know, weird videos with bizarre imagery and little short stories that were a lot like the PSAs we were exposed to in the seventies. Yep. And then everything became that because it's, it's, it's like the, the first, the first example that really took was, um, Miami vice, which was, everybody said was MTV cops, which was basically a cartoon in live action. Yeah, yeah, pretty much what it was. Yep, that's true. 
No, no, I think I think you're exactly right. I think you're right. The 80s was and in fact, actually, I would take that a step further. I would say that the malls were basically shopping Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. The 80s malls were basically Disneyland in your hometown, but built around shopping. Not And sometimes a theme park, too. Like, there were some malls that actually even had rides and stuff. Yeah, like, well, they all did. They all had, like, the little horsies or spaceships that you put, like, a couple quarters oh, in. Oh, and- those two. No, but I'm talking about some of them had, like, full, you know, full Ferris wheels. Sometimes had inside the mall. Some of them had merry-go-rounds. Some of them had, like... Um, our Masonville Mall here in London when it first opened, and this is part of the the secret of Masonville Mall, um, is that on, that only the old only us oldsters know about the mall, the which human is that when it place. Hmm? Oh well, <laughs> you joke. Anyway, <laughs> the, but there, there's that too. Um, but no, actually, about one third of the mall, what is the mall today, actually used to be a, an indoor golf course. Huh. But what they did, it was a giant indoor mini golf course inside the mall that kind of was ringed around. And there were little some little shops and like uh, things you could like ice cream places and that all around the golf course, basically. And that was about a third of the mall space. But what they did is eventually they decided that they wanted to use that as you know store space. They decided, OK, it's not making enough money for, for the space. OK, let's just. But instead of like destroying it. They actually just built a floor over it. The oh. golf course is still underneath the floor. Right. That's that's the that's the that's the secret of Masonville Mall. The one third of it is on it on on top of a giant mini golf course. Weird. Yeah. And who? And I'm. But basically, based on the way they, but they didn't lower it. They actually kind of raised it a little bit. So in theory, that golf course is still there. Not. Huh. not I mean, not. What I'm trying to tell you is, there's a space there for the golf course as well, underneath the floor. Which I've always thought kind of odd, and I've been told that it's still down there. That it's you can you can, in theory. I mean, it's probably only like a two or three feet. You couldn't stand up down there or anything like that. But you could, in theory, the golf course is there. Huh? Waiting for some like mall monster or something to basically <laughs> like you know cut, cut holes in the floor and little trap doors so we can reach up and grab people and pull them down into the into the hidden golf crawl space that's underneath <laughs> the one third of the mall. Or do you play mini golf? There's a horror movie for you. That's perfect. (laughs) I I would not be surprised if somebody actually made that. (laughs) Well, now that people know that it's there, I mean, you and I mean, it's there. You wouldn't even really have to do anything. You just have to get access to the damn thing. But of course, no mall would in their mind would let you do it because it's like we don't want the bad reputation of being like a mall horror place. I mean, what kind of mall (laughs) would let them film a horror movie at the mall? That would be crazy. Oh wait. (laughs) Well, besides Down of the Dead, of course, and oh, oh, what's that other movie called, Don, from the eighties? RoboCop. Oh yeah, that one. Okay, RoboCop <laughs> doesn't have a mall in it, I don't think. No, that's um, essentially what they're trying to build with Delta City. Well, that, they're trying to build an arcology. Is what they're trying to try, tear everything down and build a kind of arcology place. No, I was of course thinking of the great eighties horror mo- mall <laughs> horror movie, Chopping Mall. You have a weird obsession with that film. I do, I do. Also known as Killbots, I think it's called. It yeah, a couple. It has a couple different names, but my chopping mall is my personal favorite. <laughs> I think that's what everybody would know it as. Yeah, everyone would know it as. Uh, chopping Mall was an '80s. Basically, it's a slasher horror film. It was made, I believe, mid to late '80s. I'd have to check. And um, 
the the plot is basically this. It's about a there's a, basically a super mall that's super again going back to this idea that the mall is a place of the future, right? And so they basically have these little like robot guards around the mall, and mm-hmm. some I can't remember. It's been a while, but something basically some some teens get trapped in the mall basically, and the robot guards, thanks to, I think it's because of a lightning strike or something, basically go into security mode, which means they're killing anyone that they find. And some genius decided to <laughs> give these robots like laser laser weapons, basically blasters, basically. And so they're like blowing the heads off teenagers and cutting them apart, doing all sorts of wonderful things to them. Yeah, um, ba- basically what it is is a, uh, a group of 30-year-old teenagers hide out in the mall. Yeah. And then they they're they're having what's probably one of the weakest out of control quote unquote teenager parties in all of eighties filmed them, mm-hmm. and then yes the uh, the a, a lightning strike hits the main computer and the robots all like turn vicious, mm-hmm. and yeah this this is one of my favorite examples of thirty uh, year old teenagers because all of the actors playing the kids look super old. Yep. Except the main one, uh, Kelly Maroney, she looks like a teenager, and she actually is like 30 at the time of filming this film. Right, yeah. Whereas the rest of them are just young people that actually look old instead. <laughs> yeah, so it's really... But, but yeah, that's... It's... it's uh, I, I, I have it on DVD in case anybody's wondering. But Yes, yes, I know. I know you do. And so <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I find that movie highly entertaining. Um, and a good example. I mean, it's that. But if you want to see an '80s mall, that's one of the places you should look. I mean, besides Stranger Things season three, but besides that, if which did an amazing job, I will give Stranger Things season three a really good, really credit. They they did a great job of recreating an '80s mall in that series. They really right. did. Well, th- um, this this is mm-hmm. the thing. If you look at Chopping Mall, is '86. Ah, yeah, yeah. And what you start seeing um, fairly early on by the mid '80s. You're seeing that backlash against malls. Right. And in fact, you could actually say that shopping mall is a backlash against it. It's actually kind of a satire or criticism of malls that where everything is so automated that it's killing people. Mm-hmm. Well, because I'm thinking around that same time, too, just a couple of years earlier, you get like American flag. Oh, yeah. And the whole comic is based around the concept that malls are evil. That's the whole premise of the comic. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. Yeah, because in the what happens in the comic is in the late '90s, society collapses, mm-hmm. and all the rich people take off to Mars, which right. kind of makes me suspicious at this point in real life. Bye, Elon. Bye. Have a good yeah. trip. And they establish what they call the Plex system, mm-hmm. which are these like uh, ecologies that are they're malls. They're big, giant like malls. Like they're parodies of '80s malls. And this is kind of the this the way that they they're they're trying to to quote unquote help the people of Earth is establishing plexes that mm-hmm. become where everybody lives, and they're these incredibly ordered, structured, brainwashed, corporatist societies. Okay, the, like I said, the whole the whole thing is about how Mall culture, yeah, yeah. And, and how messed up the plex is because you you find out and again forty year old spoiler alert. That what's happened is the plexes are basically the uh, the the people who fled to Mars. Mm-hmm. They've set up these massive consumer societies that are entirely based on just consumption and like overt sexuality and that uh, because they've come up with uh, with a drug. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a a pan immunity for STDs. 
yes, manana cillin, and everybody takes it, and it's making them sterile because they're just basically going to let everybody left on earth like enjoy themselves until they die off and then come back and take over, yeah, and rebuild the pave over the place and rebuild it and create a new paradise in the remains of earth, yeah. Well, they don't have to repave over. They, they're already the people of Earth are already building them these big giant arcologies. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, they're already yeah yeah, and the workers will just naturally die off. So, and then you can just move right in because nobody's having kids. Yep. So and yeah, that was the and it was that whole premise that the rampant corporatism mm-hmm. was how they kept everybody under control. That this overtly hedonist society was just letting everybody, yeah, essentially consume themselves to death. Yep. Which is a very direct critique of, well, culture of the time and consumer culture of the time. Yep. Which is why I mentioned right at the beginning of the show that the malls actually are a good representation of consumer culture and popular culture kind of meeting together. They really are. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put forth the idea that uh, mm-hmm. you asked a while ago. Mm-hmm. One of our shows, at what point did we stop being citizens, become consumers? I'm going to say it was in the early 80s that Mm. that establishment of quote unquote mall culture, which in a weird way is is um, kind of the advanced idea of like the 1950s Bob Dobbs style uh, suburban culture. Right, right. But it's basically an iteration of that for people in the inner city. Mm hmm. That that was when we became consumers because that's kind of where that balance tipped. That the idea of being like a media-driven society really mm-hmm. hit its apex at that point. Right. Yeah. Our culture became media culture at that point, like true media culture at that point, like overwhelmingly. That it was no longer about religion. It was no longer about politics. It was about the media that formed yeah. the foundation of who we were at that point. Yeah, because it was that when 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 80s mall culture hit and we'd go to the mall, it was like we were finally getting to live in a Saturday morning cartoon. Yep. No, that makes sense. And and that that was where that borderline between us and say our entertainment finally blurred. Yeah. Again, we were living in, we were going, malls were Disneyland. We were going to live in our fantasy world, basically. Our cartoon fantasy world of, but uh, one just had, that happened to be built around shopping. Yeah. Yeah, because that was, the, that was the best way to disseminate ideas. Uh, because again, if you go to the 70s, mm-hmm. um, this idea of the future was no longer like atomic power and the, the, Astrocateers going to the colony on the moon. It was the 70s idea of the future was all consumer products. Right. Yeah, exactly. We would have a computer, but not that we would use to calculate the trajectory as we headed off to Pluto to explore. The computer is how we would order groceries without having to leave our home. That's exactly right. Well, they were predicting the future. All right. That's that's where we were headed. Yep. (laughs) They were just a a little bit ahead. But yeah, so it's interesting. And Maybe that's why the 80s really was, like, you could argue the high point of my mall culture. Yeah. Like, today. Is because that was the point where it reached critical mass. That's when yeah. the mall really became part of society, the focus of society and the center of society. And uh, let's be honest, our ge- for our generation, the mall is the place most of us think fondly back of because, because of our youth, right? Because of going there, all the cool stuff was there, all the people were there, all our t- entertainment was there. 
it was the place you wanted to go. Yeah. So why wouldn't you? And then, of course, I mean, then, of course, like most things, you know, the eventually the 90s come and things start to kind of fall apart. Um, Malls start dying out in the 80s. And it's because of what we were talking about early, that economy of scale. Mm -hmm. That's what bites us in the ass, because what you end up with is the idea of the mall turned inside out. Right. And it becomes a department store again. But that was the era of the quote unquote big box store. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up killing the mall when you get like your targets and your Walmarts and that. Yes, yes, eventually that does start to kill them all, yeah. They kind of, it's in a weird way, it's a revenge of the department store. Yeah. It really is. The department store comes, strikes back again and says, nope, nope, you guys can't afford anything because, well, remember, you know, the 90s, there's an economic downturn. Malls basically are popular when there's an economic upturn and they're not when there's an economic downturn. That's literally how it works. Yep. And part of the thing that you ended up happening when you got like your Walmarts and, and Costco's and that, Mm-hmm. they're a self-contained mall that it's basically the big company said we can do that but instead of being an anchor store that's still beholden to whoever runs the mall we mm-hmm. can just essentially be the mall all on our own yep yep that's true. and then and then because they're big enough and this was the problem with like say a walmart yes. is they, they go back to that idea of like the of sears farming out products to other companies but because they take off so quickly on such a large scale, basically they can set the prices for things and they set them low and that entices people in more because their prices are a lot cheaper. Like Walmart's cheaper than say going to Sears at the mall because Walmart's not paying rent to the mall on top of everything else. Why should they? Yeah. Cause they, they are the mall. And then because they become such a big company and they're ordering stuff on such mm-hmm. a large scale. They can set the prices with their distributors, which can further undercut everybody else. And then that's yep. the malls get run out of business because, like you say, we have an economic downturn. Yep. That's the only place you can afford. And then all of that other stuff just kind of goes by the wayside. Well, and remember, as the malls start to lose money, they don't have the <coughs> funds to do to have the big entertainment shows to bring in the bring in everyone like they used to. Yep. And so they it starts a very, very slow death spiral. I mean, that said, OK, I should note that in the mid 90s, malls were still being constructed at a rate of 140 per year. Right. According to the statistics I'm looking at right here. Right. And malls generally were doing well, they were managing to survive. A lot of them were managing to survive until 2007, mm-hmm. which is when the Great Recession hit. And then for the first time in history, a history of the first previous 50 years, no new malls were built in the United States. Right. And there was actually appeared. Now, there have been some since built in the United States, but there was literally a point where they. Yeah, they and then of course, since then, they've started to go disappear or been reclaimed or all kinds of things or literally sometimes torn down or replaced by Walmarts. Um, All kinds of things have started to happen to them since. But the malls have basically become, you're right, they still exist. I mean, we still, for example, here in London, we still have our three major malls. They're still here. In fact, Mm -hmm. they even, in the last couple of years prior to the pandemic, they were actually expanding. They actually made the, they were, in fact, I'd noticed kind of uh, post 
let's say we'll say mid 20 teens, you know, like 2014 to maybe about 2019, again, pre-pandemic, we were actually going through a tiny bit of an economic boom, like things were coming back, credit was cheap, and malls, I noticed, were starting to come back in again. And then the pandemic happened, and well, that took care of that. <laughs> yeah, because you get to the 90s, and there's mm. a decline because the first thing, like you were saying, all the extra amenities disappear because they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And the mall becomes a shopping center again. Yep. That even even when they were kind of, you're getting into the 2000s, and they're still around, but they're strictly for shopping. They're not really a hangout anymore. Mm-hmm. They're, they don't have extra entertainment. Like, they'll have, like, a, like, our main one still has a movie theater in it. But the movie theater is separate from the mall. You can, like, get at it without having to go through the whole mall. Really? That's Devonshire Mall? Uh, yeah, they, they had that. Any, they had a, another entrance. Oh, they like, added another entrance because they're... Did they? I, it's been a very long time since I was in Devonshire Mall, but I do remember it was... The entrance to the movie theater was inside the mall. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the, uh, uh, what the hell they call it? The other one, the one by my house. What Devonshire is oh. by mine, too. Yes, the there's other... one. That, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's another one that's close, that's near, that's, uh, it would be east of you, basically. Yeah, and, and what it is is... Northeast, yeah. Yeah, okay. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because it used to be a mall, but now it's basically, it's all theaters and bars. <coughs> okay. But it's with a pet shop. But... Okay, I okay, I do remember that. Are yeah. you talking about Tecumseh Mall? No, 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 no. It's it's uh, it's the airport. It's out by the airport. Yeah, I can't remember. It's gonna bug me now. Okay, okay, fine. I'll just quickly look it up here. Uh, Winter <laughs> International Airport, because Devonshire is near the airport. You got uh, Devonshire. You got Central Mall. You got Tecumseh Mall. Yeah, Central Mall is kind of more like a strip mall. Like a lot of the, okay. the things you'll see as malls in Windsor. They're like strip malls. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Because, again, it's the idea. Devonshire was the big one. But, but yeah, like I say, when you get to nearing the end of the 90s, they're strictly collections of stores. Like, I, the, you don't have a lot of the uh, the extra. Like I said, nobody hangs out there anymore. It's kind of weird no, no. to get your shopping done. No, no. Actually, which leads to an interesting thing that's been happening here in London, actually. I don't know if it's going on there in Windsor as well. So malls generally have had like giant parking lots, right? There's, you know, the parking to go along with them, obviously. For, for, but most of the year, that parking is not used. It's mostly like overflow for Christmas, basically, or when the holidays happen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they've started doing here in London is the owners of the various malls have started, you, you could say, reclaiming that land. Or basically, I'm not sure whether the city changed the regulations or what. So, for example, our biggest mall in the city is actually turning the the majority of its parking lot into a essentially a giant apartment building. They're huh. basically building an attached our a giant apartment building that's also going to have a whole bunch of like a couple of first couple of layers are going to be parking, and then there's a like a 20 story apartment building on top of it, a giant one. Wow. And then a lot of other ma- a lot of other malls in the city. Because we have a lot of malls in London. Uh, we were <laughs> actually London, Ontario, was once the mall capital of North America, wow. where I live. In terms of the amount of mall space we had per person, right? Not, not <laughs> necessarily the number. Well, we had a lot of malls. Most of them are gone now, but we had a lot back at one point. This is back in like the eighties or nineties. We were actually we had that title of the mall capital of North America. Anyway, huh. um, but a lot of them now are there basically turning like half of their parking lots into a whole bunch of 
either big box stores or mostly restaurants. Yeah. Mostly they're opening like fast food places in them and such. Places that have sat for decades that have just been crumbling uh, parking lot are now suddenly turned into Starbucks, basically, and things like that. <laughs> if they're all kind of like, okay, we got to redevelop in. And part of that, though, is because my city has decided that they're not going to let the city, not going to let people develop out anymore. Everything is required to develop up. Okay. So this is this has become kind of a thing in London, which is a good thing. We should have done this a long time ago, which is that that's so the focus of the city is in develop in de- what they call densification. Okay. Yeah, we, we don't have that. We have all our malls still have parking lots because Windsor never had parking. Well, we still have parking, but they're kind of cutting it in half is what I'm saying, or sometimes less. Um, they never had parking. Devonshire had lots of parking. Yeah, but I mean... If if you remember what it was like when you lived here. Yes, that was it, like 30 it, plus years ago, but yes. Yeah, it, it hasn't changed. Like anywhere you go, it's still hard to find a parking space. Okay, that's true. It was a little tough even back then. That's true. Okay, good point. Good point. Anyway, okay, so. Um, There's another permutation that I think really plays into that idea of we're consumers and not citizens anymore. Okay, really what? When you get to the 2000s, mm-hmm. you get kind of the final nail in the coffin mm-hmm. for, for like, for mall society. And that is. Robocop? Two? You're very, you're very close. <laughs> <laughs> no, two is okay. It's three. Oh, my God. What were they thinking? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. Let okay. the city burn. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know. Cyberpunk? What, what do we get? Actually, cyberpunk is it. What happens, you get to, like, the end of the 90s, going to 2000s, you get online shopping. Oh, yeah, of course. And now, that's kind of the big thing. And it's a mixed blessing, because, like I say, I can now order, like, my books right from Japan. And I don't don't have to pay collector's item prices. But it's that idea that because of that, because of the way the internet's happened... Mm Mm-hmm. We're not even a number anymore. We're basically just an aggregate of button pushes. That's one way to look at it. And it becomes the ultimate consumer society because essentially because everybody carries the internet around with them in their pocket. Mm -hmm. You're you're never not being influenced. That's true to one degree or another. I mean, I think we're headed there. We're not a hundred percent there. Yet, but we were definitely headed there, yes. Well, I, I, once they get the phone to plug directly into your brain, yes. Right. But it's, but it's that idea that, again, the mall was kind of the center of culture. Mm, true. And for our generation, it was consumer culture. But mm-hmm. that was one of the places where we'd go. And like I say, I go to, like, uh, Leisure World to see what the latest, like, in gaming was. You'd go there. Right. That'd be like an arcade and you could play video games. Whereas now we don't have to go anywhere to do that. That consumerist culture, that constant updating comes directly to us now. It's in our pocket. Yeah. Like, and it's that idea that I can do everything I could do at the mall without having to go to a physical location. Right. That's true. We're detached from, although, and this would be my counter argument to this is that I've noticed in the last, especially, I think the pandemic accelerated this, but I think this was already going on before the pandemic, that there is this innate, believe it or not, desire in human beings to actually spend time with other human beings, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so I can see that we're actually headed, believe it or not, for a little bit of a resurgence of the of the marketplace, of the bazaar, of maybe even the um, department store kind of model, believe it or not. Uh, we're places where we want to spend time with other human beings. We want to be around other people. Depends on the person, of course. Um, <laughs> but generally speaking, I can see that that isolation that comes with the world in our pocket is actually working, it, it's, it fights against human nature. And I think that human nature is kind of rebelling against that. And I think part of that will result in either a comeback for at least, as I said, um, department stores maybe, or even the mall eventually. Right. Just a, you know, the idea that a place where we all gather to, to talk and to shop and to look at things in the physical real world. I mean, as much as they have, they've come up with some amazing technology, like I can literally take my phone and I can point it at myself and then I can see how I would look in different fashions, you know, that are, you know, that aren't even in North America, though we use fast ship from China, for example. And I can have them in like in a day or so, because I, I don't know why. They, it's, it's a miracle, <laughs> whatever. The point is, is that they, you know, they use augmented reality so I can look at myself in this fashion or whatever. And then I can see how, I, and that's all fine and dandy, but it's no excuse for hanging with your buddies and going to the mall. Right. Or your girls and going to the mall, whatever. Um People like spending time with other people, and the mall is a place to spend uh, to share time together and share experiences together. And I think that that's the one part, like that was something that consumer culture tapped into. That's where the mall came from, I would argue, is it is that intersection between consumer culture and our desire to experience things together with other human beings, like to converge and to interact and to share gossip and ex share experiences. And that's something that's lost with these little boxes in our head. Yeah, we have social media. Yeah, there's all that stuff and TikTok and other, all that other crap. But the point is, is that that's not the same thing. And I can tell that there's a very much a longing or missing, even in today's Generation Z culture, I can see in my students at the college that they really are missing that. They're, now, some of them don't know how to actually interact with other human beings. That is a bit <laughs> of an issue uh, because of those little boxes. But I can see that one of the reasons why so many young people, I think, are suffering from anxieties and are having all these problems such, is they're not spending enough time with actually other human beings. Like, And so I think there's that desire for this. So more and more people are going to clubs. We're seeing like, you know, um, like uh, game board game cafes, for example, and other things that are there to offer experiences that we can share with other people. And I can see the mall becoming that again. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I mentioned just earlier about the malls here seem to be expanding and not just apartment buildings, they're doing that too, but even the mall itself, is they're, they're expanding. They're actually adding on more store space and such because more people want to go there to spend time with other human beings. Huh. That, that's my take anyway. And so I think that I could see, and this this is probably also one of the reasons why in many places in North America, I know, um, some malls that have died have actually been turned into community centers. And right. yeah, well, that even happened here in London, where one of our malls, half of it got turned into office space, and the other half got turned into a library and a community center. And that's worked out fine, mostly. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing is, is that, you know, people... Want to see, there's still a place for these uh, gathering places in our society. And while the mall subverted that during the 1980s and 70s and 90s, probably too as well, I would say that there's still a need that it fills. Right. And that need can still be satisfied 
and will continue to be satisfied in the future. And if that need is there and if people are going, the malls will flourish again. You know what I can see happening before, though? What? Because this is kind of what we're getting like here in Windsor. Mm-hmm. Is that we've gone back further. Mm-hmm. Because what we get in Windsor is it's it's not like a resurgence of the big mall, but it's the the idea of the uh, the shopping district. Yes, yeah, I could see that happening too. Instead, well, I think it's a cycle, right? So that's why I say I think that shopping districts will come first, and I think farmers markets I've noticed are popping up more and more. Like even malls are having them in their parking lots now, at least around here, anyway. Yeah, and and I think that might be because, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. People want to spend time with each other, but because we've been spoiled by the internet, we don't want to spend time with all them other weirdos, just good people like me. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're seeing this resurgence of like the shopping district, because it's not the one big giant monolithic like mall culture was all consuming back in the day. Yes. Yep. It- it's that idea of a street full of bars and then we can go be with people, but everybody gets their own bar. So I can go to the goth bar or I can go to the metal bar or I can go to the biker bar or I can go to like the uh, fern bar or I can go to the hipster like brewer home brewery thing. So people want to be all together on their own. Which is weird, but that makes that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think you're right. And I think that's already happening, actually. I so, think so, that we're going to see more and more of that. Yep, go. Yeah, so it's it's that weird, the 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 future is the past. Except if you start seeing more things like you're talking about in London, mm-hmm. where they're reclaiming, like, say, parking lot space for residential space, as that becomes more of an issue, I can see that help it happening more places. Because mm-hmm. we, we could use that in Windsor, because we have a huge housing problem in Windsor. And... What you end up with at that point is Judge Dredd. <laughs> You're right. You will end up with these giant, yeah, we'll end up with these quasi-arcologies or city blocks or that. You're right, kind of. Um, one thing I'm seeing happen, and I, this supports your theory, actually. In London, I've noticed that we're, we've been seeing a resurgence of, yeah, shopping districts. Mm-hmm. Like certain spots in the city that kind of were a nexus you know, of where there were still a bunch of stores they seem to be expanding. Like people are building more stores there, more small stores. And I don't mean in some cases, big box stores, but often more small shops and restaurants and things like that. People are starting to develop like almost these little mini downtowns. That's the one weird thing that's happened though. And maybe this has happened in Windsor as well, where our downtown is kind of sort of, they're trying to revitalize it, but during the pandemic, it kind of got abandoned and taken over by homeless people basically. Yeah. And our, our, our downtown, it, it, our downtown is Mad Max. Right. Yeah. Like like bar none. But where where I live, I'm kind of between two of the old main strips. Mm-hmm. And you see that now. Like our malls have a lot of like say store space that they're turning into like like uh like hangouts or atriums because there's no stores for them. Yep. But down like say Ottawa Street, there's still a bunch of like weird little stores opening and where I live just off Tecumseh Road is another main drag and it's all a bunch of like just weird little shops and that that keep opening and that's again it's yep. it's the big giant locust is dying off but all these different things pop up in weird little spots because there's enough of an audience that you can have your hemp based skateboard wearing store and there's enough people to support it because yeah. we're all kind of doing our own thing again yeah I think you're exactly right yeah so what we're seeing is a resurgence of small business, 
like, you know, big box stores and everything kind of killed that stuff off. But small specialty shops are popping up again. Now, they're different than before, but they're but and they have to have their niche. They have to have something unique they're offering or a unique experience of one kind or another, even if it's unique sales experience or something. But as long as they offer it and once you get enough enough of them in one area, people can go around and spend an afternoon going through those stores. So we now have a shopping district. Mm-hmm. And we have basically the uh, internet cocooning in real life in a weird kind of, of... Kind of. Well, it's a mix. Yeah, because we're all individuals together again, which is yep. really... Because uh, it's, it's that idea there's no mass culture at the, at the moment anyway. No, it's all fragmented. And that's one of the side effects of the internet. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's again... So we've gone back to, say, like the 50s or the 60s, where, yeah... You can go to, to to different kinds of bars, and they're different from each other. That's yep. No, no, you're exactly right. They're not all the same. I mean, there are different kinds, but that yeah. And that's is and you know it's an interesting thing that I don't know about there in Windsor, but here we had the thing where patios. A lot of stores were only allowed to have patios during the pandemic. Was the only place people could eat because they didn't want them indoors sharing COVID with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, this created a whole new resurgence patio culture here. So suddenly a lot of places that they maybe have had the land or they had a parking lot, that's now a patio because they want people to come and hang out on the patio, especially when the weather's good. We just had a bunch of places that had patios before the apocalypse. Right. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and ultimately, though, going back to my thesis, I can see this going full circle. We'll get shopping centers and then maybe eventually we'll get malls again because this is this is the cycle, right? Yeah. Um, so who knows, maybe in 2040, 2050, something in the 2050s, maybe or that, it'll be another great era of mole culture. And they'll be looking fondly back on the 80s as like <laughs> this proto uh, mole culture that led to the great mole culture of the 19, uh, sorry, of the 2050s that, it, that involves like augmented reality and holographics and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and at that point, what will end up happening is all the different arcologies will constantly be, like, fighting with each other. And the only thing that will protect the citizens are the judges. Yep. yep yeah, we're, we're, we're going to live to see Vegas City 1. We really are. <laughs> oh, we absolutely are. We absolutely are. I, I have very little doubt that Mega City 1 is our future. But audience, <laughs> do you think it's your future? What do you think about malls? What experience did you have with them? What do you think about us rambling on about malls? Did you find this interesting or did you just wake up what, <laughs> after being asleep for the last two hours? It's up to you. Whatever you think, drop by obeythedna.com and leave a comment. Check out the show notes where we'll have some like videos about malls and some interesting links. And give us your say on the whole thing. Any final words, Don, before we finish for today? All I can think of is like the rallying cry of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Charge it! (laughs) Good night, folks. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at obeythedna.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!